welcome to Young and Sober, the podcast where we discuss what it means to get sober under the age of 30 and stay sober. If you're sober, sober curious, or just curious, you've come to the right place. Any discussions heard here are personal to the individual and are not to be taken as the stance of AA as a whole. Welcome to episode 22, where we're going to be discussing what it means to be young, sober, and handling boredom. And uh, first up, we have a question from a listener, Annabelle. And she says, I have a young relative who thinks, who I think has a problem with alcohol. How can I approach them to help them get sober? Mm. So, Jack, what do you think, mate? Um, this is a good question. Actually relevant for me, I... <clears throat> I'm about 10 months in now and, and I had the first situation um, two or three weeks ago where I was introduced to someone who wanted to, who their friend had, as well had said that they wanted to get sober as, as well. And um, so the first thing I did, and you guys maybe have a bit more experience of this, but the first thing I did was listen to them and, and the situation um, and then get, and then get them to a meeting because that's how I um, got in and understood how AA works. And um, rather than putting it, it, it can be a big responsibility to um, just feel like you have to, to solve the problem. Whereas if you get the person to a meeting, um, then, you know, they're in the structure of AA that has worked for millions of other people and, um, and you know they will meet other people through that who all have different experiences um and you know slightly different adaptions of the, of the program but the fundamental thing is that that is how you get into the program and you know how they will learn how sponsorship works how the program works etc so um and and if they then decide that they want to continue um then that's great if they don't decide they want to continue um then you know there's they may not be as as was the case with the person that I introduced um to to a meeting they went to two meetings um and weren't sure if they wanted to to continue so at that point um you know it's really their decision and they have to make the decision that they want to to keep going um and you know if they don't want to keep going then actually that's about you taking a different role, which maybe is just of, you know, acceptance for a while and being there to support them. Um, but, um, you know, you've done what you can at that point. Um, that's my experience anyway, but I think, yeah, that's the first experience I've had of it. So it'd be interesting to hear your guys' views. Yeah, what do you yeah. think? Um, I think that Jack hit the nail on the head actually at the beginning where he said they, you know, they wanted to get sober and they asked about it. So. Um, I think the first thing to kind of establish is, does this person want to stop drinking? Are they, are they ready? Um, do they want AA, first of all? Um, because, you know, in my experience, I, I realised probably about six years before I came to my first meeting that I thought I had a problem um, and then kind of just pushed it down as far as I possibly could and right to the back of my mind so that I didn't have to think about it. Um, I personally was not in a position where a family member was a part of getting me sober. It was kind of, I, I 
kind of did it on my own. My sister had said that she couldn't handle my drinking anymore, but she didn't, she didn't, you know, push for me to go into recovery or anything. She just, she just said that. And that, you know, was enough for me um, to then want to go to my first meeting, but I wasn't pushed in by anyone else. And um, I think just the one thing that I would say and kind of in echoing of, of what Jack said is if the person isn't ready no amount of pushing from an external force is going to get them sober mm. um it's they they have to want it and as painful as it is being someone on the outside and I know that you know my family were in bits watching me watching me you know kill myself basically um but you know as alcoholics we're very stubborn people we want to do stuff on our own terms in our own time mm. um and as painful as it is for someone on the outside you know sometimes trying to push them in is almost potentially going to push them away and they might they might not want to be around you anymore because they think that they're they're getting pushed in so you know there's a, there's a difference between kind of enabling and supporting so you know like my family for quite a while didn't didn't want me drinking a lot around them and all of that kind of stuff and I would try not really succeed but I would try um but it did mean for me that I then did a lot more drinking away from my family but I also knew because they hadn't pushed me too hard I knew that when I did decide to get sober that they would be there because they'd always been really loving and really supportive even if they'd been really frustrated and upset so I think planting the seed is something that people talk about quite a lot and maybe you know saying that like, have you thought about this like there's an AA website maybe you could have a look on your own time um or oh look I'm listening to this great sober podcast young and sober why don't you give it a listen um or you know I have a friend who's sober would you like to talk to them just just kind of little suggestions that that kind of plant the seed and then hopefully that seed will grow into a desire in them in them to get sober well that's that's what I think anyway what about you Christian mm. <clears throat> um I think you're right in terms of I mean alcoholics are are the types of people that don't everything that <laughs> everything is framed as a suggestion in Alcoholics Anonymous and there's a reason for that because um we don't like being told what to do we don't like <laughs> being told that we're wrong we don't like being told we have a problem um, we we like to come to to our own conclusions and you know any any sort of person just however much they care about us love us and we love them <clears throat> um, any form of like intervention I think can feel as if you know you're being a nag really and um, I'm talking from my own experience really um, and yeah um i think it's a very personal you know the, the, the desire to stop drinking has to come from that individual doesn't matter if you're young or old it has to come like for me i had to hit we've talked a lot about this i think in in different episodes uh, my emotional rock bottom um to, to to even consider stepping into a meeting um you know, and I think maybe what, what's quite good for a younger person as well, I think you're genuinely like with this podcast, hopefully 
if you put this in front of someone that's young, you know, Alex and myself and Jack all got sober under the age of 30, knowing that there are other people that have got sober um, and that there is a young sort of community of people, of alcoholics, um, who are there, who care about each other, who are there to support each other. Um, the young, you know, there's young person specific meetings. Um, you know, and it's about, I think it's about making it, making it as attractive as possible to a new, to a newcomer. Um, and that goes for if they're young as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's all I've got to say on that really. Yeah. 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 I think we've covered covered quite a few bases there. So hopefully it's helpful. Mm. Um so boredom. It's so funny actually because I um I've got two weeks off work now. Um and I've planned like a few things, like I'm going, you know, I'm gonna go and see some friends and I'm going to a gig today, which I'm really excited about. Um but I know it's something that I definitely struggle with still and really really struggled with in my early days was boredom and I think for me it was that my especially in my early days it was that my head was such a busy place and so loud and there was so much like negative thinking and like I don't know past experiences and like my negative self-talk and all of that kind of stuff that when I was bored I just felt like that noise was very very loud um, because I wasn't distracted by something. Um, so I know that, that that kind of was what boredom felt like for me in the early days. And then now, I think still, as somebody who identifies now as an alcoholic, and to be honest, kind of as an addict as well, because I can, I can pick up anything addictively, um, boredom is something that I just don't like because I like being excited or I like like feeling extreme emotions and then when I'm bored I'm like what is this I don't like this this doesn't feel nice um and so I kind of find myself wanting to escape from it what does what does boredom feel like for you guys um okay I'll go so um boredom for me Well, first of all, I think it's um, quite a good reference from the, from the big book in Alcoholics Anonymous. It, it, it sort of describes alcoholics as being irritable, restless and discontent um, by our very nature. So if we're not doing something, um, we get a little bit, I don't know, I sometimes can get a little bit like, oh, give me something to do. Um, which I think is also why alcoholics are really good, like employees, because you know you, you give them something to do and they will do it. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, unless they're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> unless they're drunk or hungover, yeah. <laughs> well, those, yeah, they probably won't do it. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> yeah, I, th I think it's definitely something that you have to have to learn, and I think you know meditation for example like that whole notion of sitting still you know for 10 15 20 minutes at a time you know <laughs> when i when i was being suggested to do meditation i was like what you what you want me to what sit down for 10 minutes um you know and just kind of sitting there and just thinking you know 
obviously talked about internal voice going on saying like you know just internal chatter you know not really understanding the point of just sitting around doing nothing um but also what i've learned is slowing down is actually something that is it's a really value valuable thing to do and it's something that i feel like i i I'm not there yet, you know, like, you know, and I've recently felt that I'm feeling the, you know, waking up tired because I'm just like, I'm doing a lot um, and trying to manage, you know, doing different projects all at the same time. And I love all of them. They're all really important to me, but just making that time to just be like, Hey, you know what? It's okay to just not do something. Um, I think my phone is a real, we're talking about using things addictively. Uh, my phone is a problem, <laughs> it really is a problem. Like it, it's a, a massive distraction, um, but it's, I think it's a, a way of kind of just escaping um, temporarily. And it's just so easy to do that, isn't it? With social media, WhatsApp going off and yeah it's something something to be wary of um and again i think I, I love the idea of just having like i don't know a day of no phone you know i'm sure that would be it sounds I, I can't believe i'm even having to make that into a big deal but like just having a day where i just don't touch my phone and get distracted i really it. get that i um, really get it yeah mm. I actually, I just have to tell this story because I think it's really funny. I went on a date on Friday and the guy that I was on a date with was on his phone the entire time. I'm not even joking. Four and a half hours, he wow. didn't put his phone down once. That is addictive. <laughs> Can you imagine? That is, well, and, and very rude, wow. I know, but like I immediately, my thought was, he may not be an alcoholic, but he's a phone addict. I think what you said about, um, you know, alcoholic and addict, you kind of only maybe realise that after you've stopped drinking and got sober, because then you do start realising you're doing other stuff addictively, like looking at your phone. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, it was, it's anything, right? Like it's, um, you, the phone is the easiest thing because it's in your hand all the time. And um, but for, for me as well, it was work and exercise and any yeah anything just to not sit still. Um, but I think what I realised is, and it's easy to say like you know, <laughs> meditation's great and like not having a phone for a day is great. I th and those things are. But I think like we've probably all been forced into that like into that rather than chosen to <laughs> like day one just do loads of meditation and um but I think along that journey of like like I couldn't sit down and meditate for long for like 15 minutes because it was painful at the start and just I was like when's this finishing when's this finishing <laughs> um whereas now like I can do 10 or 15 minutes but the point of that is that like you rather than think like what I don't want to be bored at all I think it's just for me it was just 
adding in little bits of productive stuff to my weekends and to my evenings, whether that is, it doesn't need to be like go and cycle for two hours or like cook a meal for 10 people. Like it only needs to be like little things like a small gym class or like go and see a friend for an hour. <laughs> like, and that's actually a normal thing to do. And not you don't like and then go home and then it's okay to be bored for an hour or two hours um and just adding those like little bits into your week slowly and not just going all out on them to try and avoid like avoid boredom completely um and then because there's an element of just accepting along the way that you will be bored sometimes and like that's okay and <laughs> you like just it's better to be able to accept that than um get frustrated with yourself all the time if you're bored or you're exercising too much or whatever it is so that's my experience is just like trying to add in bits slowly back in to my life which aren't over the top um and you know then the addition of all those little things make you able to look back on your week like you've had a good week um even if you yeah haven't like achieved 10 massive things and like whatever um but you've stayed busy and you've done productive things well while you're busy and you've been bored a bit but you kind of forget about the bits you were bored in so um that's my experience anyway yeah I think also looking at kind of the things that I want to pick up when I'm bored or when I'm to be honest feeling an extreme emotion as well like if I'm feeling really sad or really angry or really lonely or whatever I do often look to pick up something to change the way that I feel. And I remember in my early days, people said to me, eat loads of chocolate, like eat loads of chocolate that will help you with, with the cravings or whatever. And I kind of said to like, rolled my eyes and was like, guys, I don't really have a sweet tooth. Like, I don't really think I'm going to be eating loads of chocolate. And then as soon as I stopped drinking, I was like, give me all the sugar, give mm -hmm. me all of it. Give me everything. I want it now. Um, and I really like what you said, Jack, about not being too hard on yourself. Like I think, especially in in the early days, like I, so I was a smoker um, and actually my sponsor said to me, like, don't give up smoking and drinking at the same time because you're you're making it quite hard for yourself. Like you will give up smoking when you're ready, but potentially at the beginning, like for somebody it might be easy, but for me it definitely wasn't. And it made me trying to stop drinking much, much harder. Um, and I did quit smoking about, I think it was about two years in. Um, but I think those things like, you know, if, especially in your first year, like if you're eating loads of chocolate or, you know, exercising a bit more than usual or sitting on your phone a bit more than usual or whatever, the operative thing is, and the main thing is like, you're not picking up a drink. Um, and then potentially later on, you can look at, like we have, um, you know certain other negative or potentially harmful behaviors that you maybe want to try and substitute for something something healthier um what do you think christian um yeah i think it's i think it is quite good to have like things to focus on um and not too many things but just some things because 
I noticed like in lockdown, for example, when we could literally not do do anything <laughs> really um, outside of our own house, like to not have anything to, to kind of focus on, whether it was like a, a personal project or it doesn't have to be anything big like that. It could be a puzzle, <laughs> you know, or just something to like achieve for yourself. Um, you know, go out for a run. Um, I think just having like, maybe like three, I think three is like the magic number, no more than three. If you're trying, trying to achieve like 10 things in a day, then chances are you're not even doing any of them very well anyway. And it's just really stressful. And then you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, you know, I've set myself, you've set, basically you've set yourself up for failure, haven't you? And um, that's not good for our confidence and self-esteem and <clears throat> that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that the advice to, to a newcomer in their first year of not making any major decisions in your first year is really important. It's really tempting to want to, you know, partly because you're like super excited that you've found this new way of life. You're like, oh yeah, I'm sober. I can achieve anything. I'm going to do a degree in law. I've actually heard that before. And they said, yeah, I started this degree. And then like first lecture, I was like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh yeah we, we, you've got to laugh at that because I, I completely relate to that like grandiosity and that just like just seems yeah a bit silly but um yeah make it as easy as possible for yourself in your first year and um don't do don't stop doing the things that you you already know that you enjoy doing, apart from the drinking thing. Um, <laughs> you know, if you like doing sports, go and do sports on the weekends. If you like doing art, do some art. You know, you don't have to like, just keep it simple. You don't have to like all of a sudden change everything. Mm. Um, and just simple and small. And then you can get to the end of the day. I mean, ultimately in your first year, getting to bed sober, is a massive achievement in itself so anything else that you do is a bonus um yeah. Yeah, that's all i'd say on that one yeah yeah i really like that that thing about you know big changes because i know that for me i had exactly that where i was like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that like thought about like moving country thought about moving house thought about like changing my career path like all of that and the suggestion was don't make any big decisions or big changes in your first year mm -hmm. um and in my experience that was a really really good suggestion purely because first of all the way that I felt about myself changed so much throughout that year and to be honest it continues to change but it's more it's it's in smaller increments now um and you know, that's not to say that you can't do those things. Like I went back to university in my second year, um, the end of my second year of sobriety and got my teaching degree, which was brilliant. Um, but I did need a solid foundation of sobriety under that because, you know, those kind of ventures, they're incredibly stressful. And when we're stressed, as well as when we're bored, we often can have, you know, cravings because it's it's the, the want to escape how we feel, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's... It's really interesting how 
it's such a blanket thing of just just wanting to change how we feel isn't it that's like an alcoholic alcoholic trait not like found you, not liking where we are right now yeah and wanting thinking that if we change this thing and do that it, it's gonna it's gonna change everything sorry jack you're gonna you're gonna say something. yeah i was just saying you know with those kind of gold driven things that you you know whether it's a degree or for me it was like endurance triathlons it's like yeah it's the the taking up the time and space at the time that you're doing the training but it's also the motivation which changes so I found like I was way more motivated to train for these big events when I was actually drinking because my motivate because I was so um, you know, I was driven out of ego, basically, to <laughs> to to finish them, and and that would be my motivation to train. And then, as I kind of increased the, my time in sobriety, my actual motivations for doing these things kind of waned because I realised actually, like, the only reason I want to do that is to prove to people that I'm still functioning to like beat my friends in the time that they're getting. And you can sign up to these things in early sobriety, thinking that your motivation is sound because now you're sober. And then three months later, realize actually, you know, I'm doing that for a reason, which is kind of extrinsic to what I really believe. Um, and so I've ha- I had to, fa- I've kept doing those triathlons, but I've really had to find a different source of motivation, which is more related to being just feeling fit and healthy in each day, rather than, you know, wanting to be like m- m- the com- really heavily competitive side, which has definitely waned a bit. Um, and it's still there. Um, but yeah, you can definitely sign up to these things or move abroad or whatever. And then realize two months later, it's like, <laughs> I did that for some reason, which is not actually going to make me feel good in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add to actually a funny story that happened in my recovery uh, last year. So uh, I should know better, but I, I met, you know, talking about boredom, I was at home and I was doing, you know, seeing my personal, tra- finishing off my personal training qualification. And then I thought to myself, well, what if this lockdown thing is going to happen forever? Like personal training is just not going to be a thing. Gyms won't be open. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to move, I have to put, move my business online. And I ended up spending, which I'm still paying the price for now, spent five grand on a course to help me like learn more about like social media and like how to create online programs and stuff whilst also trying to finish off my personal training qualification whilst also trying to do music stuff and it was just like you idiot like, what are you doing <laughs> like you can't do all of these things at the same time um and, uh, you know, I can look at that now and realize that that was actually, it was partly boredom, um, but it was also partly fear. Um, yeah, partly fear. And, I, you know, fear can, I think the fear is a driver of, um, can be the driver of, of 
of some of the decisions that I make in my life. Mm. Certainly has been throughout the years. Like, um, and uh, yeah, and I'm paying the price for that now. And that just goes to show, you know, if you're left alone uh, on your own for too long and, you know, you get sucked into something that makes you believe that if you don't do that thing, then, you know, therefore, you know, you're going to be a failure and yada, yada, yada. And if you're impressionable like me, uh, you can make uh, expensive mistakes. <laughs> so, I think so. that that also speaks to kind of some of the noise that our that our heads makes the heads make when we're bored. Like, you know, my head can say like, "Why are you not doing anything? You're not achieving. You're not going to be successful." Um, like, you should be filling this time being productive. You should be filling this time moving forward and you know, that, that kind of achievement voice, I guess, overachiever voice or whatever it is. And in the um, episode that we had with Stephen, where we were talking about achievement and how there's such a difference between external validation um, and finding that validation in sobriety or internally or whatever. Um, and I know that for me, especially when I'm bored, what I what I kind of want is a rush and when I make a big plan or when I um you know start a new project or whatever that I do get that rush but I loved what Jack was saying about like motivation it's also like is that sustainable like yes okay I may get a rush from booking something last minute like or I don't know saying that I'm going to do a marathon in six months time or whatever which is not ever something I'm going to do but um I'll be like, oh yeah, marathon. Like everyone's gonna see me. I'm gonna be running a marathon. I'm gonna be so fit. Da, 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 da. It's almost like picking up a drink and then waking up the next morning and being like, uh-oh, I don't think I can do this. That was not a good idea. Why did I do that? Da, 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 da. And so it's like, it's it's just kind of about the amount of the amount of thought that can go into things, I think. And maybe looking at like, is this a realistic goal for me? Is this something that I am actually going to be able to put in the effort to do? Or is it a goal that I'm setting for myself to fail? Like you mentioned earlier, Christian, because if we set ourselves up to fail, ultimately, when we can't achieve something we've set up to do, out to do in, you know, whatever way. And the goal is I will feel good when this thing happens or when I do this thing. The goal should not be to do something to get a high or to get a hit. The goal should be, yeah, realistic, I believe. And also like, you know, am I doing this for the right reasons? Like you said, rather than doing it out of fear or doing it out of ego or whatever. And it can be so easy when we're bored to think like, oh yeah, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll do that. Just to kind of get a bit of excitement in our lives because I just, it's, it's like a high, it's like a high. And we wanna, we wanna hit, we wanna high. Yeah. Oh, it's um. It knowing why we're doing something is 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 important. And actually, I don't think I think again that going back to the not making the big decisions in your first year is important because we don't know who we are really. Let's be honest. You know, when we get into recovery, I didn't. When I came into recovery, I didn't know who Christian was, what he liked why he did what he did, what he should be doing, um, how to how to treat people. You know, I didn't know, I, I needed somebody, I needed just to like, just stop 
and let just listen and you know take on misinformation and try and apply it make mistakes recovery in itself is like a job you know in a way like until that becomes kind of more second nature and part of your life i haven't really got time to be doing trying to you know conquer the world and there's no there's definitely nothing wrong with wanting to be ambitious and, and to do great things and i think that's a gift of, of recovery if that's what you want and absolutely like go get it um but just focusing on that in your first year get good at recovery get like <laughs> if you want to get a gold star get a gold star in recovery you know and you just do what you should you're this is just my opinion it's not anyone else but um <clears throat> I think that's important. Um, and there was another thing about decision decision making generally. I think for me, as an as a as a an addict alcoholic, <clears throat> I sometimes feel like it's necessary to make decisions now, you know, um, and not to take it. My my. My girlfriend, picture. She, my my nickname is All Guns Blasman <laughs> because I'll just like it's like you know all or, that all or nothing mentality, which again I think is kind of alcoholic <laughs> um, slash addict uh, thinking too, without necessarily reflecting on it and taking a bit more time to think. Well, maybe that's not the right decision right now. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, the time the time thing is so important. I remember like when I was going to kind of change jobs and things and I immediately yeah, I wanted to change everything at once and I think part of the reason why I personally want to do things quickly is because it feels good. Like it feels good to feel like you've made a decision and you're you're doing something and you're going to go to this place and da, 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 da. but and and doing it slowly doesn't feel as good, but it's the difference between that like instant gratification and long term gratification. Where I know when I really really think about a decision for a while, like I try to uh, let me think of like an easy example, a tattoo, a tattoo for example. So I've got loads of tattoos. But the one thing I'm really, really proud of is that I do not have one tattoo that I don't like. And that's because first of all, I didn't get my first tattoo till I was 24. And second of all, every single tattoo I've had, I've thought about for six months before I've got it. And, you know, obviously tattoos are a little bit different because they're on your body for life. Like they're never going anywhere, blah, blah, blah. All the things that my parents tell me when I tell them I want to get a new tattoo and they're like, don't do it. Um, but because I've really thought about it, I've made sure it's really, really, really what I want. I've made sure it's where on my body I really want it. I've thought about when people are gonna be able to see it, like what you know impact is that gonna to give to, I mean, I don't really think that much about employees, but employers, but all of that kind of stuff. Like I've, I've really thought about it and that definitely works in other aspects of my life. Like when I changed my job or, or when I moved out of my parents or I don't know, whatever just just really and reflect on it means that ultimately when I come to the decision and when I do the thing 
it feels like the right thing. But then also because there's less of a kind of rush into it, if it then doesn't work out, it feels okay because I know that it's not worked out, not because I shouldn't have done it, but just because the circumstances have meant that it's it's not, you know, it's not meant to be or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think taking time to think about things and not just reacting out of either boredom or fear or the want to be a, a look successful externally or whatever um that the decision should be made yeah carefully you really an alcoholic <laughs> six months to get every tattoo <laughs> this is the one area of my life the one area of my life where well it might change never say never maybe I'll get a last minute tattoo some I did get my nose pierced the decision to get my nose pierced all happened within one day and luckily I didn't regret it but that was a very quick decision. Um, but yeah, in lots of other areas of my life, I do everything way too quickly and then regret it instantly. Yeah. It's, I, think, I think having like, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? We have mentors in recovery, which we simply call sponsors, right? They, they are pretty good at sort of, I don't know, well, keeping us sober and sane and, and on the straight and narrow. But I feel like I need like a mentor in like various areas of my life. <laughs> like, just, I think it's been incredibly, incredibly useful. I think Russell Brand wrote a book about mentors didn't he? Um, after he got sober. And because, I don't know, man, just feel like, doing stuff on your own when you don't really know what you're doing and it's part of life I guess like making mistakes but sometimes having a some a bit more guidance you know whether it's in your career or um, how you manage your life a bit and you know organization and stuff I mean there's so much stuff out there on the internet obviously and you can educate yourself but I think almost in a way there's almost too much information um, uh, but yeah, um, I think a big thing that I've, I've learned in recovery is listening to myself a bit and listening to like, I will still go against at times when my body is like, you're really tired, you need to sleep more or you're really tired, you need to, you know, just take a day off today or like, you know, I think that's definitely a gift of, of recovery, like not just listening to your body and listening to yourself, but like actually doing something about it. Um, you know, and, and, and that's sort of self-care piece, isn't it, really? Mm. Um, sometimes when we're in that mode of being bored and feeling like we need to do stuff, actually it's stopping for that moment and saying, well, hold on a second, do I? do I not just <laughs> could I not just kind of I sound, I've been treating myself to like 20 minute naps for example yeah since, yeah just like yeah I deserve this I've been up since 5 a.m I'm gonna have a 20 minute nap at yeah. afternoon. Yeah. Um, so yeah 
Yeah, I think that that rest thing is so important, isn't it? I mean, my very extreme example of what not to do is is, you know, what ended me up in hospital the second time, because I was so obsessed with doing absolutely everything that I just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until my body physically stopped me because I would not stop. And I completely ignored all of those signs that my body that was was giving me, which was you're tired, you need to take a break, you need to take some time off, you need to stop doing loads of stuff with your spare time while you've got really, really busy stuff going on with work. And I ended up really, really, really ill. And that was my body being like, right, you're not going to listen to me. I'm going to stop you because you're not going to stop. Um, and there is definitely that that resistance to rest and resistance to what does sometimes feel like boredom which is downtime um I too take power naps sometimes in the afternoon and I now love them I love having a power nap it's great if I have a day where like you said if I get up at 5am and I've got a really busy morning or you know I've had a really really late night and then I have to go to work then I'll come home and I'll have a nap and it's it's good and I think also something that maybe we could touch on is just the the little things that you do with that with that downtime I mean I think that it can be very easy to escape into I don't know watching Netflix all day for example which you know sometimes is okay but if that becomes something that you're doing all the time to switch off for me it's it's better for me to look at things like you know being creative maybe like I like to do calligraphy I like to do little illustrations and stuff and it's nice for me to channel my energy into something that is feeding me as well. Um, so there's that. There's also, you know, just look like going out for walks or spending time with people in recovery. I loved what you said, Christian, about mentors and about how, you know, when we do want to make a big decision in recovery, I know that for me, talking to my sponsor about that is so helpful. But not just that, talking to other people in recovery, because chances are, you know, if you want to go back to university or you want to do a triathlon or whatever, or run a marathon, there will be someone in recovery that has done that. And they will be able to kind of help you work out your motivations behind the decision. If you're not necessarily able to do that yourself and kind of make it for the healthiest reasons possible. Um, what are the kind of positive things that you guys do to try and combat boredom? I just, um, have the two, the two, there's two sides to it one is like what i've realized with recovery is having a pro a daily program is really useful and like i don't stick to it 100 of the time but i always know it's there if i need it and so for exercise like i will have a program which i don't stick to 100 of the time but like 70% of the time I don't have to you don't have to over I think our issue is like overthinking stuff and if I just have a program there where I'm like okay I want to do some exercise then I'll just look at my program and just do whatever it says on there and then I don't think and then I don't need to think about it um and so I think having like just putting little programs into your life like that where it means you don't have to overthink everything you're just doing and like you with creativity like you might not want to plan your creativity as like 
as as religiously as um as as that but you might say you know i'm gonna do i want to do three times a week an hour of something creative and just slot you know you've got that time free and just slot it in and you might go over an hour you might do under an hour but like at least you've just known that like at 5 p.m on wednesday i'm gonna do something creative and then like really like yeah you're gonna be bored in the week but if you've actually achieved what you want to achieve in the week then you'll feel like you've had a productive week and like even if you've sat on instagram for an hour or whatever which is probably still what i end up doing in a day um i still feel like i'm achieving everything that i want to achieve in the week and therefore it doesn't bother me too much that i've done that um that's for me anyway yeah i'd say, I'd say uh, just to echo that would be having like a schedule like scheduling so i used to well still sort of am a bit like oh scheduling but um also scheduling is a really great way for me to you know spend an hour or two like this is what my week looks like okay it's really busy work-wise with on this day client-wise but i've carved out some time for me as well um then then that's then that's it that's important it's important and um to carve out the time to do the things which um it's like the self-care piece like i've spent quite a lot of time like trying to understand what my values are um and therefore allotting time to things that sort of feed into that um and ensuring that not necessarily every day but i try at least you know every week to do things which um are true truly kind of authentic to me um but that's taken that's taken quite a lot of time and it still is a work in progress and i still you know mess up my calendar from time to time and you know it's a work in progress but i like part part of what makes me personally happy is ensuring that I, I give time to things that I know, yeah, just make me happy, whether that's spending time with my, my girlfriend or whether that's um, singing and playing guitar or whether that's uh, going to the gym and doing a workout, you know, um, making time for those things and putting it in my calendar, as you say, Jack, like not, when I do that, I then, then I don't have to think about it as much. It doesn't require me to to put much thought. It's just in the diary and I do it. Um, it's when you give me an opportunity to think about what I need to do is when it goes a bit wrong. I, th I think the other, the other thing that. with that is it, yeah. it, if you don't, if you don't plan it, then it's easy to be like, right, I need to go and do whatever this is at a hundred times what I should be. So whether that's exercise or like five hours of some like creative thing, like, or, you know, in so, so where in a plan, it might be like, go for a three mile run. If you don't plan that in your head, then when you go for a run, you're going for a 10 mile run and then you're overdoing it. And I think by having it in a plan, you're not overthinking it, but then you're also not overdoing you're planning to not overdo it 
win <laughs> in whatever you're whatever you're doing. Mm. Alex problem all the time don't you going off on 10 mile runs oh my god yeah no, so actually <laughs> point, what something I was going to say from that is like there there are obviously certain things that we either should do or have to do that we really don't want to do so for me exercise is that I listen to you guys being like oh god you know I just exercise too much and I can't <laughs> stop and I'm like what no um but so for me, exercise is something that I don't want to do, but I know is good for me. It's good for my sobriety. It's good for my mental health and it's good for my body, like all of that. So for me, for the things that I don't want to do like that or for, I don't know, life admin or um, like budgeting, for example, for the month, which I try to do, but I'm terrible at and I hate. Um, I then for those things set realistic goals so that I'm not setting myself up for failure. So my plan for exercise is I commit to 100% doing 15 minutes every single day, which isn't a lot, but I know that if I then have a day where I do more, amazing. But if I have a day where I'm like, oh God, I really don't want to exercise, then it's like, you only have to do 15 minutes and then it's done. Just do your 15 minutes, like do a yoga video or do like a really short, 15 minute hit session on YouTube or even just go for a run for 15 minutes like just just something realistic mm. um and for me 15 minutes is that and I mean there are some days where I will do an hour or you know whatever rarely an hour but <laughs> um yeah for the things that we don't want to do and the things that feel like a massive slog I mean sometimes step work as well like I know that for me with my step four um originally I was like okay I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna do like five hours today and then I won't have to do loads for ages and that just was ridiculous because the prospect of doing five hours of step four I would just procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate so then I changed it and was like okay I'm gonna do half an hour of my step four like five days a week for example and then like give myself a weekend off and again if I ended up doing more brilliant but then if I didn't at least I still managed to do that half an hour um and yeah I think that often if I really really don't want to do something then I am often inclined to lean into maybe like negative things to avoid it so um yeah like sitting on my phone for hours or you know just eating all the cheesecake or spending loads of money on Amazon oh my god oh my god spending money on Amazon um but if I have a realistic goal for myself, then when I have a bit of free time, I'm much more likely to be like, oh, maybe I'll do those 15 minutes of exercise now. Or, oh, maybe I'll do those that half an hour of step work now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, for me, it kind of feels like the theme of this, this chat has just been about being measured and realistic, you know? Also, it's easy for us to talk about now, but I think we all probably had to learn these mistakes ourselves. And we said, like at the start of this podcast um people you know alcoholics will do what they want to do when they want to do it and the reality is like just you you'll probably you know if you're new to recovery you'll have to learn the hard way probably you'll spend five grand on a course or like sign up for something stupid that you didn't mean sign up for like and probably regret it at the time um and it's easy yeah for us to say you know come straight into recovery and schedule all your time and do 15 minutes of exercise a day and do it like but that's not realistic and 
Um, what is realistic though, is that it will get easier over time and that you will, um, you know, learn from this stuff and it's not as bad as going back and drinking, whatever, you, you know, you end up getting frustrated with on, on the journey. Um, and like, that's okay. And like, just the only thing you can try and do is just accept all of that stuff happening. Um, and, you know, in the knowledge that everyone else's experience is that it gets easier um, <laughs> easier over time. Yeah, 100%. Oh, this has been so great, guys. Um, so to wrap up, Jack, what is something that you're grateful for today? Actually, <laughs> it's... Um, I had a super busy weekend last weekend and then I haven't had a busy weekend really this weekend at all. And one thing about six months into my recovery, which I found really difficult was not having anything to do on the weekend. Um, and I would drive myself crazy. Um, and this weekend I've not, I've had a couple of plans, but nothing massive. And I have been okay with that. Um, and like I'll get to the end of the weekend. I won't have had some breakdown. I will, I'll just like have watched the football, gone for a walk, like gone to the gym, done this podcast and, you know, not open my laptop to do 10 hours of work because I have nothing better to do. Um, and, you know, that's been a journey to be able to get to that point where I can have a weekend like that. So I am grateful for a weekend with not many plans. Amazing. Christian. Nice. Um, Today, I was grateful this morning, I, when I woke up, I went, it's been sort of raining here, um, but there's a nice big garden outside my house and I just sort of went out there and could smell all the nice plants and mm. grass and stuff like that, um, which I know, you know, three and a half years ago, I'd probably wake up, actually I probably hadn't gone to bed, but when I had woken up, I probably wouldn't be able to breathe out my nose anyway, because I'd be full of... God knows what. Um, so yeah, that was a nice, that was definitely a nice thing to do this morning. Nice. I am grateful for connection. I am um, spending a lot of this weekend with a group of people that I met literally in the park with my dog. Um, and it's just mad to me how we met because our dogs just started like playing together in the park. And now I went for like a two and a half hour walk with them in Wimbledon Common yesterday. And then we went out for dinner. And then today one of them's DJing and a load of us are going to support him and just like hang out. And it's a daytime thing. It's, it's like one till five. Um, and it's just mad how these people that I met in the park are now like some of my favorite people. And I'm just very, very grateful for it. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much everyone for joining us we will be back next week with another speaker and a topic please do like and subscribe if you have any questions or feedback about what you've heard today we would love to hear from you so send us a message on instagram at young and sober podcast or email us at young and sober at outlook.com that is it for yet another episode we are young and sober bye, bye.